Hello, everyone. This is Stories from the Well, a podcast brought to you by The Well, a community of faith in Tulsa that gathers at tables every week around a shared meal to help each other find our place in God's story. We do that through food, conversation, fun, music, and of course, storytelling. Sometimes the story is from the Old or New Testament. Often it is from the life of Jesus. And sometimes it is a story from history or current events, or even in our own lives that helps us experience the goodness and love that God gives. You can listen to this on the go, on a walk, or in your office or living room. You can also listen alone or gather around a table with snacks or a meal and listen with friends and family. The hope of all our storytelling is that there is conversation and reflection that follows. So before you listen any further, think about how you will create space to respond to the story. Whether you pray, write it in a journal, discuss it with others, just know the power in the storytelling is how it helps you respond in your life. Welcome to our table. Welcome to Stories from the Well. Welcome to part two of Lainey's story. I just invite you to buckle in and and get ready for some great conversation, some good and heartfelt insights, and some honest reflections on her experience of deconstruction. Here we go. So this has been like the journey, right? This has been a hard journey. I I mean, in, in... this isn't the first time Lainey's sharing this with me, but we have processed it together often um, each step of the way. And, and you know, I think we've even had hard conversations. Um, you know, like I said, I feel like I've grown as a human being and as a mother um, in going along this journey with Lainey and as she's grown. But I wanted to give you, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but when you, when you, got to this place of like being able to kind of sort through and parse through um, things that, you know, you know, kind of the wheat and the wheat and the chaff, like what stays and what do you let go of? Um, what, what did you, ha- what did you experience good and bad as a response to this journey from people? Um, well, I think, um, you know, I'll start with maybe how people responded that were um, not as, as, um, not as welcome. Like I wish they hadn't responded this way. I mean, it's, there was, you know, these responses teach you a lot about where, um, Christianity is, Mm -hmm. um, um, and what needs work. Um, the first response that people have said to me and about me are, you were not even a real Christian. And this is not true because I, you know, the term Christian's really loaded and, um, hard for me right now, but you know, definitely don't wear it like a badge of pride and a badge of honor. Like for me, it's, it's, it is tough. And, Hmm. um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's not, it's not like a, it's not something that when you go out into the world, 
um, people are like, oh yeah, they're a Christian. Like, it's like, oh yeah, they're a Christian. <laughs> and and a lot of people respond, yeah. You know, and, and I think, especially being in the Bible Belt, we get so accustomed to like everyone around us being a Christian. And so here, being a Christian gives you influence um, and gives you kind of an automatic like, oh, they must be a good person because they're a Christian, which mm-hmm. is not true that, you know, going to church every Sunday does not make you a good person. Um, but we kind of subscribe that morality to that. So then when you, but, you know, people I know that are part of the LGBTQ community, if I said I was a Christian, like, that might automatically put a barrier between me and them because of the institution's general stance, which is not my stance. Um, but I, um, and not, you know, not, but, I, you know, it, that, that, so that term is really loaded for me. But... They said, oh, you weren't even a real Christian. And way back when I was a, like, I would tell you I was a Christian. I, I wasn't a, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I, I've said it before earlier in the podcast. Like, I think people thought that I was a model Christian. Um, and I think it's really telling that I feel like I lost community. I lost influence and I lost power when I started to challenge um, the authorities, when I so when I was behaving and when I was like supporting, <laughs> I was you know I was kind of held up um, in a way by the culture. And then when I started to challenge it, I was um, I experienced deep, deep loneliness and rejection and judgment. And I just think that goes to show, like, how, how much, how, how much these, this culture and religion mm. idea is so married here. Um, but I was definitely a real Christian. I still feel that I have a deep faith, but I definitely was a real Christian. And that is a form of gaslighting. <laughs> so completely invalidating, you know, 14 or 15 years of my life where I... You know, I was an evangelical Christian. I invited Jesus into my heart at a young age. I was baptized. Um, I chose to be baptized when I was, what, 10? Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know... On Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday. I was, (laughs) like, I was a part of all these things. And I, you know, I think my parents know this. I mean, I felt a deep connection to my faith and to being a Christian. And so that's just not true. Um, uh, The next thing that people said were, you must be an atheist. Um, that's also not true. Um, on the spectrum of like Christian to atheist, um, I probably lie agnostic being in the middle. I lie somewhere in the space between Christian and agnostic. Um, atheism, I believe is just as strong of a belief and a stance as is Christianity. You Christianity, you believe there's a God and you believe in the resurrection and you believe that you know, you believe in, um, you know, you, there, there's a strong belief here. And then atheism is you believe that there is nothing there, but neither one of them do you have proof or absolutes to prove that, you know, you, you have a faith. Um, atheism doesn't have like a practice, but it is a belief. It requires you. It requires you to believe believe that there is nothing. Agnosticism is like, well, I believe that we can't know for sure. Um, so there may be something, there may not be, but more ambivalence. Um, like I, you know, a lot of people that are agnostic believe in maybe a higher power. Um, and you know, 
have kind of a, a belief in being a good person and and living well but not necessarily like I'm going to practice a religion and then I would maybe fall somewhere in the space between that um, but I'm not an atheist because an atheist believes that there's no God some and and I'll keep reiterating this some people who deconstruct deconstruct and they're like you know what I just believe that there's not a God anymore and that you know that is an okay response that, you know, we as an evangelical people are really bad about respecting other people's beliefs when they are different from ours. Um, and so that's, I mean, that is, that is a potential outcome of deconstruction. Um, also becoming agnostic, also being something else entirely. Again, you know, all people's deconstruction journeys are different. Um, but that doesn't automatically mean that you're an atheist. And I would say a lot of people that um, are, you know, trying to unpack all of their religious trauma and they leave the church are so grieved because they're leaving mm. so much of their lives. Yeah. So much of who they were. And they, they don't, they, you know, it's not because they want to leave. They have to for their mm. physical and mental health. They have to leave. I think that's one of the saddest things. That, that's what grieves me. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a lot, there's a lot of pain, um, in this, uh, um, there's a lot of pain in this process and it's not like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, you know, pardon my language, but screw religion. It's not, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, I guarantee you that's not the, it's about, you know, that's 95% of the responses are not that. Most people are really sad about what they leave behind because they always leave behind good people with mm. good intentions who hurt them. But they just have to leave. And wouldn't you say that if somebody's response outwardly is screw religion, there might be an underlying wound that they haven't expressed? Oh, absolutely. We could be totally missing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, something's happened that's made them move to the place of, you know, I forget that. Yeah. You know, and if, if you are listening and, you know, you've, you haven't really, um, you know, this process is new for you or you have never really talked with someone about deconstruction... The best thing you can do is just be curious. Just mm. listen and be curious. You know, find the ways in which, you know, no one experiences no doubt. So, you know, relate to the doubt that you yourself have experienced. But just be curious and ask questions. Because yes. it's not coming from a place of, I want to change your entire worldview. It's coming from a place of pain. And, you know, growing up as a Christian, like, we need, we are, like, not responsible for everybody's pain but definitely responsible too we need to you know need to be good to our neighbors and love our neighbors and that means responding when they're in pain hmm. even when we are part of something that causes them pain um and then that maybe should spur us on to action but um, you know that's my own personally i basically you know the the ultimate response was just general rejection a lot of stuff went unsaid it wasn't like everyone was just being mean to me it's just I kind of got you know left I got left behind I um every nearly every religious space in my peer group asks me to identify this later on but they asked me to believe before I I belonged so the second that I had a change in belief I no longer belonged in the group. That's important to say. That's it's huge. 
And I think that should, I mean, that should be a challenge to anybody listening. Like, you know, should a faith experience be something doesn't, you know, should everyone belong before they believe? And that's a question you have to answer for yourself. Um, I personally believe that everybody belongs regardless of what they believe. And that's what, and you know, that's how the church should play out. Um, that's not always what it, you know, that's not what I see in practice. Um, maybe something we say from the pulpit, but it's definitely not, um, um, I don't think it's done very well in the evangelical church, at least, at least from my experience. Um, and I, I, you know, I challenge people to be really skeptical when, you know, acceptance to a group is based on your, um, beliefs because that's making your belief your identity. Um, and that's just so painful when it changes. Um, also, don't we want to be people that have open minds and our beliefs change? What are we so afraid of if our beliefs evolve and grow? Because we're learning. You know, there's a lot of fear kind of wrapped up in we don't want our worldview to change. Because if our worldview changes, our life has to change. And, I mean, I think that is a greater question to how our society is kind of messed up. Like, should we, like, should our entire lives have to change because we change our worldview? I just think, I mean, I think that's an important question to ask um, when you're in religious spaces, when you're in, you know, cultural Christian spaces mm-hmm. or any space for that matter. Um, but. Tell me about your safe spaces. What were your safe spaces in this journey? Um... Honestly, not many, um, which is really a heartbreak for me. Like that, that's hard for me as your mom to hear that not many safe spaces. Yeah. And I, and you know, it, it was really great that I got to, that I was living in Tulsa. I think if I was living somewhere else, you know, if I was living somewhere else in the South, I might've been really, really, really lonely, but, um, and maybe it was just my experience at TU, but you know, I think this is just a, there's a much greater issue going on at much greater scales, and I think I would have run into it in a lot of places. Um, you know, home has been really safe for me. Um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with you, and yeah. you being a pastor has just really grounded the whole process. You know, not everyone has an open-minded religious figure to, like, affirm and, like, validate what you're going through. Most people's experience is that religious leaders will reject you when they hear that you are deconstructing. And so that has been real, that has been, you know, that has been a really safe part of the journey because at the end of the day, I'm like, I know someone who is educated and has gone to school to study theology and is affirming me through this process, Mm -hmm. like, and, and is giving me the space to think differently or to ask questions and not, you know, making it about my, you know, not making every conversation about my salvation or, um, you know, in whether or not I'm going to heaven, like really just, you know, giving me space to, to process. I mean, that's huge. Um, and then, I mean, my other safe space, um, the whole time is actually, I just, just started dating, um, my boyfriend at the time, which he's, we're still dating, we're still together. Um, and he is wonderful. His name's super funny is Will Ferrell. Yay, Will Ferrell. 
Um, it's spelled <laughs> it's spelled differently. Um, and he is, you know, uh, not quite as funny as Will Ferrell, but he's funny, I think. But he's funny, and we um, like him. Yeah, he's he's shout a good out to one. Will if you're listening, Will. Shout um, out to he you. probably is gonna hate me for mentioning him in the <laughs> podcast, so I might just not tell him. Um, we'll see, but um, he he was definitely a safe space. So he was raised Catholic and um, went to Catholic school, a Catholic all boys school, and um, the Jesuits ha- and I'll probably talk about this later. But the Jesuits have a saying: he went to Jesuit school, um, Christ in all things. Um, but he doesn't have the same, like, you know, religious trauma that I do. Like, he, you know, re- like, you know, faith was a part of his life, but it wasn't like, it, you know, it, it, it didn't kind of take over every aspect of his life when he was a kid. Um, and so he just had this really grounding, healthy perspective um, that was almost kind of like light about faith and made it so much less like that the world was ending because my beliefs were changing like he didn't care like I um, maybe it was because I was around people my whole life they were like your beliefs are like the most important part of you like you know guys you know I date guys and guys would date me that were Christians and had the same kinds of beliefs as me because that is like that's the foundation of a marriage or that's the foundation of friendships and community that you know this this believing like that's that's how you relate to other people if you have the same beliefs and what was amazing about him was he was like oh that's cool yeah we don't you know we don't really think the same way on on that and he's like (laughs) I was like wait you're not gonna try and prove me wrong Hmm. or you're not going to like you're not like, oh, this isn't going to work out because we don't have the same beliefs. Like, has some very different beliefs than me about some things in faith. How it looks like in his daily life, it looks very different than it does in mine. Um, but the, he was like, that's okay. That's okay that your your beliefs are changing. And it didn't change who I was. And that was the first time I'd experienced that with anyone other than, like, my family. Um, I mean, that's how all of my relationships were. With, with friends, with with pastors, with, Mm -hmm. um, with, with boyfriends until, you know, until him. And so, you know, I started dating him my end of my sophomore year. Um, and probably one of the reasons we're still dating today, like he's, so he's, he's been there basically through the whole, whole journey, two big safe spaces and pretty much the whole time. And then like, I've just had friends that were good to talk to, but that have come and go. Um, and then I, I really just have one friend that, um, you know, was actually the girl that, uh, um, you know, the girl that did the Bible study with me all the way back and, and then has gone through her own deconstruction and is now one of my best friends. And so, um, she's been a safe space last year ever since we, uh, reconnected, but. Hmm. Um, I feel like you've already really talked about what you would, I feel, you've given some insight. Like I have this question of what would you say to evangelicals or anyone any person of faith, um, whether they identify that way or not, who who have people that they care about who are deconstructing. And so I, I feel like you've said a few things that are super important about allowing people to go through a process that doesn't always end up in the same, you know, doesn't have the same result. Um, I feel like you said, one of my favorite things you said was be curious. Like be curious and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else that you would... Say, gosh, if this, if there's someone in your life like this, 
here's here's a few things to think about before you you know engage in the conversation with them or you know I, I don't want to go too in depth because I'd really like to leave it open for you but what, what would you say what would you add I mean to go off of be curious like a lot of times um you know we are and, and this is just kind of patterns I've watched as people have tried to respond to me you know, people get so wrapped up in their own insecurities with their own doubt that they are not really allowed to show that we then impose that on other people. Mm. So don't, you know, don't make it about you and your insecurities with doubt. I'm here to tell you, you are allowed to doubt. You're allowed to feel it. And if you, if, you know, not everything needs to be tied back to the Bible, but if you want a biblical example, literally open your Bible and there's an example of a person in the Bible that has experienced doubt in their faith. Like it's everywhere. It's all over the place. So the fact that we get really weird when people ask questions and challenge the authorities and powers that be, that says more about the political influence of the church than it does the actual faith and religion. So anyone who's actually, you know, if you're if you're doubting, like that is part of the human expression of faith and it's okay. Um, but if you have insecurities about your own doubt, like, you can bring those into conversations with people that are deconstructing and it can be harmful. So, I mean, try your best to like, you know, be aware of what kind, you know, what things you are working on and what, you know, what things the church has, has told you about doubt that may, you know, maybe make you feel shame and trigger your shame, um, um, about doubting and, and not believing and, and not, and not belonging and then impose that on somebody else. It's almost, I, when I hear you say that, I, I hear be curious and then I hear, hey, let's be honest with ourselves first. Like, because you said no one is without doubt. But sometimes we treat a person who's deconstructing as if we have no doubt, right? Yeah. So like, because we're insecure so, about our own right. doubt. So let's, let's be honest. Let's deal with our own dishonesty, our own insecurity first and really be, and that doesn't mean, oh, now that I've dealt with it, now I can tell you. So that's not what we're saying either, right? We're yeah. saying, let's be honest with our own doubt. But also, then when we realize that, it, the, the, the reason we say that is because then you can understand a little bit more of what this person is going through. You're, we're not going through it to, to say, okay, I've been through it, now let me help you. <laughs> that's not what we're saying either, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, I recall a story I learned so long ago, oh, probably no. <laughs> in Sunday school, um, about a man um, who saw dust in the eye of his <laughs> I was partner, just about his, that. his fellow man, and he says, here, let me help you get the dust out of your eye. And Jesus is like, <laughs> is it Jesus? He's like, get the plank out of your own eye first. That, so, you know, I elaborated a little bit. Um, you know, one of the great things about deconstruction is it, allow, it allows you to, like, add humor and levity. A little sarcasm? And a little sarcasm. Just a little. Um, to biblical stories that you grew up hearing. Um, so that's an added little bonus and, and, and benefit. Um, my, I feel like my, my Bible humor is, like, elite because of it. <laughs> So, um, cause it's all, it's all like up there in my brain. And so now I have to like get it, you know, I have to like, you know, yeah. get it out. I have to like use it still. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, jokes aside, you know, that's actually like a, a really important story. Like, it, and, it, and it definitely applies here. Like, you know, we, we do have to, you know, we have to be honest. I love what you said. We have to be honest with ourselves before, um, you kind of engage in this conversation with someone else. Um, uh, another thing 
Um, I mean, this, I've, I've said this, this is often an extremely painful process yes. with familial and community rejection and religious trauma. And like, I was super fortunate that my family, my immediate family, um, was so, um, willing to have these conversations with me and so affirming most people I know this is not the case and, you know, they are not excommunicated, but really like kind of, um, shunned or pushed to the side of their family units because of it um because a lot of family identity is centered around religion and and christianity um and so like you know be really empathetic to the fact that like this is like it's probably a full life of people it's not just like you decide one day i'm gonna stop going to church like people people spend a lot of time grieving you know their time that they Mm. you know the time that they have given the money that they have given the the relationships that they are having to leave and sacrifice like it's i mean and they can be family they can be communal they can be you know peer to peer um there's just there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, pain there and so just you know be really empathetic and listen um cuz it's it's not easy and let's add here i we didn't talk about this earlier but let's add here I think we have to be, if we're going to be very, very empathetic and very, very careful and very, very curious, I think we should be um, very hesitant or careful to be like, I'm praying for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I should have said that earlier. Because <laughs> you know what? I just want to say, I certainly have prayed for you all the way through college, but not in the way of, oh, if I don't pray, Lainey won't, Lainey won't, you know, I'm sorry, you're not way. that powerful. <laughs> hate to break it to you. So I just think we have to be really careful not to weaponize the phrase, I'm praying for you. I absolutely pray for people, but I do not pray for them in the way that I think I know exactly what God is doing, you know, Mm -hmm. in their life or how it's going to work itself out. And so I just, I wanted to insert that. And and, and you know what? I'm not saying that I don't think prayer, like, like I'll, I'll be clear. Like, I don't think that prayer is not powerful, but if you, you know, like prayer is prayer prayer is weird because it's like you know it's important for us to pray um you know but prayer means a lot of different things for a lot of different people Mm -hmm. and a lot of times prayer turns out to be our own agenda um you know and also I hate to break it to you but I'm pretty sure if God has a different agenda God's gonna go with his own agenda (laughs) So, like, you know, your your prayer is important, but there are, like, you know, this this is not about prayer. Like, there's a lot of perspectives, a lot. I'm no theologian. I, you know, I, I don't know the theological intricacies of prayer. Um, but it is, you know, we're talking, we're really talking about praying in the context in the context of I'll be praying for you like with this under this southern backhanded undertone of you know you know you really need my help which like <laughs> again this that's the dust yeah. in, you know the dust in the eye plank in the eye story mm-hmm. um so that's another important thing I mean that's just part of Christianese like the way that we communicate in order to be like accepted we say certain phrases and we say certain things some of those things I have since deconstructed some of those things can be harmful. And I also consent to my mom praying for me. I, I like I, I'm not like, Mom, I don't want you to pray for me. Some people are so wounded by the church, they ask, I don't want your prayers. I don't want them. Mm, that's important. Are we just like, like there like, there are 
I, there's people out there, they're like, I don't want your prayers because you're just going to pray for me to get saved. And that's not the point. You don't think I'm saved, but like I, maybe I still think I'm saved. Like it, you know, it's, it's so complicated mm. and it, that kind of attitude and that kind of mindset is what gives us this ginormous superiority complex like it's not that's you know that's not our job um to you know to to decide where people are going and when they need our help um especially if they're like hey i need some space from religion and part of that might be i don't i don't want you to pray for me mm-hmm. i don't want you to feel like you have to fix me because i'm deconstructing um you know because i'm 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 questioning Power structures. All those things. All those things. Such good things for us to keep in mind. Um, and and I even think about um, if there's any parents of college students or young adults listening. I hope. I hope. I hope this leads to a um, some really humble, honest, welcoming conversations in families. I really, really do. And and for parents who are. Um, of little kids, like how they help their kids grow up um, and identify their faith and their understanding. Um, and and for friendships and like there's just, I think you said something that um, is so important and in terms of when this happens, like some of the most crucial spaces of your life, friendships, family, faith community, it's very sad to me that it can just evaporate because a person has the courage to say, I'm not sure. So um, I just really appreciate you digging into that and, and, and really giving some insight for folks who are listening on, on how we do this for each other, with each other, and for ourselves. We've covered a lot, covered a lot of where you've been. What is, what does it look like now, Lainey? Yeah, um, so church is still really hard. I, um, last time I went to a church, it's about a year ago, and this was like a traditional church building, um, and I went to like a traditional church service. However, it was like, it was an affirming church, shared more of my values, and I went with a close friend, and it, um, it was so painful. I, I mean, I sobbed. Like, I could not stop crying. And I'm, like, in the service. I'm, like, near a bunch of people and strangers. And I'm crying. And it's not good crying. It's bad crying. Like, I am, I was, you know, I, it didn't, it didn't matter that it was, like, you know, I was with even close friends. Like, it was just a little traumatic. And because so much has happened to me and my, in my faith journey past couple of years, I think it's going to stay hard. Um, you know, I'm not sure I can go into a church building for a, a good long time. I think that's okay because, again, that's not the end-all be-all of faith. Um, we like to think that it is sometimes. But um, also something that the pandemic hopefully has taught, you know, some of the evangelical community is that, you know, that faith, you know, faith and 
you know, this, this faith can be exercised when two and three people gather, yes. when they share a meal, like at the well, mm. or just together as a family or as friends. Like, you know, it, it doesn't always have to happen in a church building because we can't gather, but, you know, the, our, our expression of faith can be everywhere else everywhere else in our lives I think it should be well I, th- I think it should be and I and I also think that's how it was originally intended hmm. but um so church is still really hard um but um you know something that I think is um has also been really important to me I value Jesus as a teacher um I'm gonna make a quick caveat here that this like you know, by no means is this like an apply all to every single person that has gone through deconstruction. Um, I feel, and, and maybe it's because I have a really affirming um, religious leader in my life um, who allows, like gives me this space, but not, you know, whatever the reason, um, this may not be helpful to other people deconstructing. Like applying the Bible, applying Jesus, applying religion and looking at it in a new way it might be too damaging, it might be too painful, and it's not your job to decide. Um, So just, like, don't use this as, like, well, you know, I heard someone who deconstructed talk about this. Um, This is probably not a helpful thing to say to everyone. But it it helped me, and it's it's been important for my own individual personal journey. But I I value Jesus as a teacher. I think he was cool. Um, Time and time again, you know, to reference stories of Jesus in the Bible, he challenges the dominant religious institution of the day. Like, he he is going and challenging the religious leaders who have all the power. Um, he is, they, they don't like him because he's countercultural. If you'll remember why he, you know, died on a cross in the first place. Like, he, he was, he was rocking the boat oh, all, all the time. You know, yes, he performed miracles, but he was, he was, um, he was, a uh, he was challenging the and re- refusing to uphold the power structures. He, you know, he was he was critical of the religious culture. He loves he loved and loves the marginalized, which in our society, that is poor poor people, people of color, people with disabilities, women, immigrants, etc. He loved the marginalized. And I would say that I don't think the church does a great job of loving the marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would be critical of, Christ- of Christian culture, power, and influence, especially as how I see it played out play out in the South. Um, and honestly, I I see Jesus as a part of my personal blueprint for deconstruction. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's everything that I've talked about, like saying, Hey, religious leaders, like maybe, no, like maybe we should think about it in a different, you know, with a different perspective. Let's challenge these traditional cultural norms. Let's love people in a radical way. Let's, you know, you know, he, so he, his teachings really help me and empower me and are a part of my personal like emulation a personal expression of faith Mm. um in christianese um i hear a lot of people say like i love jesus um you know but what is you know that's another thing you try and unpack 
when you're deconstructing. What does that mean? I love Jesus. Like, you know, what, what does it mean to emulate what Jesus was about? And so for me, like my deconstruction journey has been like, you know what? Like, it's really important for me to, um, to seek understanding, to seek truth, to challenge, you know, the institutions of power and to love the marginalized because that's what I watched Jesus do. And that's what I read about Jesus doing and teaching about in the Bible. Um, so again, that's not something that is helpful to everyone when they're deconstructing, but, um, it is, it's part of my personal expression of faith. And I think I get up every day and, you know, things that I learned about Jesus, um, I have, you know, I, I feel like it's my way of reclaiming those things that I've learned when I was younger. Like I learned a whitewashed, watered down version of Jesus that fits into a box really nicely and learning about him as somebody who is, you know, really revolutionary um, has helped me kind of reclaim, you know, my own faith. Um, and, you know, it looks a lot different now. Um, but every, but my faith is important to me and it's my own individual personal spiritual journey focused on self-awareness and making like fighting for justice, loving others, being, you know, you know, radically empathetic and leaving the world better than I found it. And, um, there, Jesus is a great teacher in, in that regard. That sounds like a really wonderful definition of redemption to me, like redeeming things, right? Like leaving, making, leaving the world better, um, figuring out what our own growth and understanding, you know, needs to where it's headed. Um, I just made me think of sometimes that we take that word redemption or redeeming and we forget that it has a daily, it can be a daily exercise. Yeah. Um, some things that have, there's some like resources and other teachers that have also really helped me. Um, I have, I think I, I've been receiving the emails for about like a year and a half, two years now. Um, kind of ever since I, um, uh, you know, the whole, um, kind of my whole spiral and kind of beginning of my deconstruction, um, I found um, a lot of the teachings of Richard Rohr, who is a Catholic priest. He's a Franciscan. Um, but he is such an incredible thinker and teacher about Christ. Um, you know, there's a there's a uh, Jesuit saying I mentioned earlier, Christ in all things. But he really um, embodies this and talks about it constantly. Like seeing Christ in creation, seeing Christ, seeing this thread of redemption mm. um pulled through and in all things and it has been really like helpful to me and really um you know empowering on my spiritual journey um and honestly I I feel like I have I still have a deep hope and faith in um like divine mystery and purpose you know some days I'm like uh, you know I could be just you know, I, I could just be screaming into the void. I don't know. Um, and I think that's okay. But I, I, I do. I choose to believe. I, I think there's something else. Um, 
I think that there is a purpose. I think there are things that, um, at least at this time, we can't explain with science. And, you know, part of me hopes that there is a deeper purpose. Um, and um, so that's kind of where I'm at. We have good, robust conversations, right? About things that you're like, no, I think that. And I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not where I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I would even say like, um, you know, I, I've talked about kind of you giving me space. Um, I think our conversations would go very differently if you somewhere in like, you know, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're actually a pastor, like this is your vocation and you know, most pastors and most religious leaders have kind of rejected my attitude or at least some of my opinions and my perspectives and so you know a lot of them on the basis that you know well they're evangelicals and it's their responsibility to save me or help me make sure I check all the boxes so I'm saved and like honestly good intentions if you really think that I you know if 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 that if that's what you're worried about I mean I'm, I'm sorry that you have all of those burdens that you're you're constantly worried about everybody else's salvation but um Somewhere in there, you you had to be like, you know what, like, th these conversations do not have to be about Lainey's salvation or these conversations, like, I don't have to be responsible for that. And also just basically giving up control and saying, mm -hmm. God's got this. Like, like, I believe in God and I believe God is big enough for these questions. Like, you know, actually, that's actually what living it out looks like. You had to give up control of what it looks like. Um, because you, but you don't know, you don't know what happens after, but you gave up some control and you're like, you know what? God's big enough for this. Um, and also letting my personal journey be my personal journey as opposed to a reflection or an absorption of yours. Um, and so I think our conversations would go very differently if you didn't like somewhere along the way decide that that's what you were going to do. Um, but, um, you did and you you did it because you were prompted by love for me. And, hmm. um, but also you had, you had some emotional awareness. And I think in, you know, if you're trying to have these kind of conversations with someone you don't like have the same beliefs about, like, you know, take a second and, and try and understand where you're coming from, what, you know, what, what your emotions, what your body is telling you about like, um, you know, how you're probably going to react and, and you might have to let go of some control, but I, I feel like those are conditions in which um, have allowed us to have these really good conversations. And, um, you know, you let me, um, you let me rant about um, all of the injustice I see perpetuated um, in the name of God by church. I mean, I, I, I have men, been on many a, um, <laughs> many, many a tirade. Um, and you just give me space for that without letting it, um, without, you know, one, shattering your worldview, but also you like learn from me and yeah. you were willing to listen. Add. You're willing to listen to what I had to say and grow from it just as I was always, you know, I, I, I was the kid, you know, and I grew up listening to my mom talk to me and so much of what I am is, uh, you know, I'm a def definitely a product of my mom. Like I so much like all those seeds were planted much much younger and so um um 
it's just, it's, it's great. It's kind of coming full circle. Like in my adult life, like, you know, I learned so much from you, but you're actually willing to, you know, learn from me too. Um, which, you know, I, I hope I can, you know, if, if I have kids, I hope I can raise a kid that, um, you know, eventually they get to the point where they're, they're thinking for themselves, learning from themselves and can teach me something too. So. Yeah. That's what I was going to end with was that, um, you know, I think one of the great privileges of, of being a parent has, has been not only teaching my kids, but the things that I think have been more than that has been listening, um, which I don't always listen well. So I just want to put that out there. It's not sometimes, been perfect. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I've, I've already got my idea formed in my head and I'm not listening to what they're saying to me. And they're like, uh, did you just even hear what I said? Um, but learning to listen and like learning from you and, and, and being able to have my kids correct me or challenge me. Um, again, not, not smooth sailing. Lainey, I can think of several hard conversations where I was like, what? But then when I went away, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so I, I just, I think learning from our children is so important as they grow. We've dug deep here, but we also have a lot of fun together. Um, and uh, I was just thinking, and you may have something, I don't know. I was just thinking of like some of, like we're getting ready to have a road trip. And um, that's been some of our favorite things to like get out and go do stuff together. But um, we, her senior year of high school, we had this really fun trip to New York City. And just got to experience a city together. And we actually found out we're pretty good travelers together, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And we're very, we're actually very different personalities. But we we're kind of are a good well, fit. We're, yeah, we're compatible travel yes. companions. Yes. And so we um, ah, just had such a great time going to New York City. And we got four, my, one of my favorite, favorite memories is we have a really good friend who was working in New York, kind of doing some Broadway stuff at the time, and got us $40 standing room tickets to Hamilton. To Hamilton. Oh, it was so fun. It was like the highlight of the trip. And so. We had to stand through the whole thing, but we were in there. Yeah. And we got to see it, and that yeah. was incredible. And it was cheap. It was, it was awesome. cheap. It was cheap. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dad was happy, too, because yes. it was uh, not as expensive. And then I will say, probably in, in light of the funny, uh, just a funny story where Lainey taught me, um, she began that very early. I think she was two or three years old in the car, and I just, um, I've calmed down a little bit, but I'm a little bit of an irate driver and so I say things and, um, and, and say things to other drivers while I'm in the car. And, uh, you can, you can imagine where some of those comments are and what, you know, the, the names that get called or stuff. But, um, I remember one day I'm driving along and somebody probably cut me off or something. And I had a few choice words and the little voice in her car seat behind me goes, mommy, who are you talking to? <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, there is a child in the car. I can't believe I'm sitting up here doing this. And so uh, one of my moments of like, my humble moments of going, I'm not being a very good influence right now. But I just remember that little voice, mommy, who are you talking to? I'm like that jerk over there. No. <laughs> so... super proud of you I'm super proud of your courage I'm super proud that you are on a journey and unapologetic about it 
um, I'm, I'm really grateful we get to be mother, daughter, and friends. And I hope, I hope this conversation just generates really good, hopeful, healthy, and welcoming conversations in other families and with other friends. Yeah. And do you have any, any closing thoughts you have? Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to say I'm super happy to do this. I think it was good for me to talk about. I haven't had a lot of spaces where um, it was welcome. So, um, you know, if anything, um, if anything I said uh, resonated with you and you want to talk to me about it, you know, you are more than welcome to contact me. I think, you know, our contact info or something will be mm -hmm. up on your, your website or whatever, mom. But, um, you know, and if, if something I said, you, you know, didn't strike a chord with you, like, or you're like, ah, whatever, like <laughs> that's, that's fine. Like, you know, um, I am hopefully, I, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get to the place where like when people disagree with me, like I'm, you know, like I'm okay with that. And I've, I've kind of had, had to be because it's, it's been a, you know, a little bit of a painful rejection journey, but it's also been an empowering one to be like, okay, well, that's what I think. And that's what you think. And kind of separating all of those things from our identity and still finding like, you know, goodness and, you know, you know, the Imago Dei, the image of God and, and people regardless mm. of, um, when it is easy because we all believe the same way. Um, and so, um, yeah, thanks for having me. I, um, I love that we get to do this too. Um, I'm very, very thankful for you and everything you've been for me throughout this entire process and being so, um, willing to listen and, um, you know, encourage me throughout the whole time. So, yeah. Well, thanks. And I think we will end it on that. I think ending it with, you know, looking for the Imago Day and others is a great way to leave it, right? I'm so glad you joined us for Lainey's story. I'm so grateful that she was willing to step out and be courageous and talk about her experience. I don't want to say much more because I think there's so much that we can just hold in this story right now and wrestle with or think about or pray about. There's just a lot. And so I want to kind of leave it there, except to say that if you would love to chat more about this. Uh, Lainey made this invitation also. We would love to hear from you. We've put our website and email addresses and ways that you can contact us in the show notes. And we would just love to, to chat with you. And I will just finish by saying the words that Lainey shared with us to stay curious, to listen to each other, and to remember that people are on a journey that is very personal, that is connected to all the parts of their life. And if we are to love people as Jesus loved us and all those around him, then we need to think about how best to love our neighbors and our friends and our family. Grace and peace go with you this week.